What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a special edition of Final Whistle. I'm your host, Blaine Spencer. As always, I have a guest with me today. I have Zachary Braziller from the New York Post. It's a real honor to have him on today. Zachary, thanks for coming on, taking some time out of your evening. Yeah, my, uh, my pleasure. No problem. Awesome. So let's uh, jump right in. So, Zach, what has the experience been like for you working at the New York Post, if you could describe it? Man, it's it's been great, you know. I mean, I've I've gotten a a lot of opportunities to cover, you know, a million different things, whether it's college sports, which is kind of my focus, but do a lot of pro stuff. I've covered the Super Bowl, I cover the U.S. Open, uh, cover the Final Four, I cover the college football playoff every year. Uh, I've covered the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I haven't done any NBA playoffs, but that's probably because the two teams around here stink usually, although this year they're not quite as bad, obviously. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I got into the post doing high schools and I moved up and now I'm kind of our, you know, our college, our college sports reporter. That's awesome. So what has been the best gig that you've been able to cover at the post? What would be your best memory that you would describe? That best one you've I, mean, I think, I think my, my all-time favorite game was the, uh, I think it was the either 2016 or 2017 uh, college football championship game, the, the year that Clemson beat Alabama. That was Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, was just unbelievable. That was just a great night, a great game. Um, but you know, I, I think I enjoy most college basketball. Um, I, you know, I do a lot of, I'm kind of, I'm the St. John's beat writer. I do a lot of Seton Hall. I do a little Rutgers. Um, I think I, I like college basketball the most. Um, but in terms of like a highlight, I mean, covering, um, you know, obviously covering the Super Bowl is great. Covering other stuff is great, but that college football championship game is probably my favorite, probably my favorite thing I've covered. All right, I, I gotta ask you then. When uh, when Jalen Hurts scored that touchdown with about a little minute thirty left before Watson took them down the field, were you already writing that? Already starting to write the story that Alabama had won, or did you have to fix it on the fly? How'd that go? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's that's one of the hardest things once you really become get work, get to a daily newspaper, and you know, is writing on deadline, and you have to kind of have your story basically done as soon as the game's over. So it's you know, you, a lot of times you actually have to have kind of like two versions of your story. You know, you have to have, if it's like a game like that, you know, um, you have to have one version of Alabama winning one version of Clemson winning it, you know, it could be a little stressful. And sometimes, especially in the second half of these games, you're, you're barely looking up, you're just looking up to see what's, you know, happening. You're not really enjoying the game. I think that's one thing that I think some people don't understand about sports writing is, you know, it's sometimes can be hard to enjoy the game. You know, a lot of these great games, you know, I'll kind of go and watch the highlights later that night and I'll kind of like, Oh, that's what happened. That's what happened because you're just so entrenched in writing and making sure you're not falling behind. Yeah. Completely understandable. So what got you into sports journal was sports journalism always your goal from the beginning or did you switch, switch over to journalism? How'd that, how'd that go for you? I always wanted to be a professional baseball player. I loved baseball growing up, but I think it kind of became pretty clear as I got, you know, into high school and deeper into high school, I played high school baseball that I wasn't going to be a, I wasn't going to make them, you know, be a professional baseball player. And, you know, I worked for my college paper a little bit, but nothing special. And then, you know, after college, you know, I, I always loved sports. I was, I guess, obsessed with sports and I got an internship at the New York sun and, you know, it just kind of went from there. 
Um, you know, I, I don't know if anything, I don't, you know, I don't know if it was like something like I want to, this is what I want to be. It just kind of happened. You know, I mean, I always loved sports and wanted to be involved in it. And, you know, eventually it just, it just kind of happened. It just kind of took off basically. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what, because you didn't, getting into sports was your goal, but it wasn't necessarily like something that you thought you were going to be taking uh, full-fledged into, what would you say to an aspiring sports journalist, either in high school or college, that are trying to get into the career field? What, what would be your biggest advice to give to them? Um, my biggest advice is, you know, just to, you know, to write and find places you can be published you know, that, that's just, that's the most, it's simple. It's the most important thing. You, you gotta, you gotta write. And that's, that's the way you learn. I, I know some people go to grad school for journalism and I think for some people, that's a great idea for me. It just didn't, it wasn't something I wanted to do. You know, it, all you can do is, is write and be out there and meet people. I mean, it's a little harder now with the, the pandemic, obviously, but just in general terms, you always just, you got to meet people and you, you got to work and write and you only learn by doing that's at least kind of how I always felt. Yeah. And how much did you feel networking played a role with, with your building of your New York Post within, within uh, career as well as your journalism career? I mean, networking helped because I met some people and I started a website and from there we eventually got to the post. So, I mean, you know, I had worked for a bunch of weekly newspapers. And so, you know, networking kind of a bunch of guys were just kind of in dead end jobs and we decided to start a website. So becoming friends with those people, I think is really what happened. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a great networker. There are, there are people who are, who are just, who just love it and are terrific at it. Um, but I definitely think that kind of helped me as meeting these people who I started the website with. And then I, you know, I got to the post that way. Oh, understandable. And so you've, you've know, you said that the Clemson game was the Clemson Alabama national championship was the best game you covered. What's the best interview that you've been able to conduct in your career? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I don't think I have a best interview, honestly. Really? Um, I've, had some, I've had some really good ones. Um, you know, I, I had a big story this summer on Rashid Jordan, a former St. John star who went to prison. I, I thought that was a really good interview. Uh, but yeah, there, there isn't necessarily one that kind of, kind of stands out. I think after an interview, you always think you could have asked, done something better, asked something better, gotten a better response. I mean, I just think that's the beauty of the job is you can always, you know, you're always, you feel like you could always do better. I, I don't think you're ever really happy with completely content with anything you write or any interview you do, at least that's kind of been my experience. Yeah, I, I actually can agree with you there. Um, I mean, I'm still, I'm working for high school sports right now and I completely understand where you're coming from trying to figure out how, what, what could have I have done more to get a potentially a better answer or what can you set, worded the question differently Would that done something differently as well. I think that completely makes a total impact. Sorry, this is my puppy wanting to go outside. <laughs> All good. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, so let's uh, actually just pick up. I know you were writing a bunch of stuff covering the Super Bowl these past couple of weeks. Yeah. What was your overall takeaway from the game? I know many, many, including myself, thought it was going to be one of the 
great games to go down in history. And it completely fell flat of that with an absolute Tampa Bay demolishing on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I, it was, I was, I, I thought the chiefs were going to win comfortably. Honestly, I, I was, really? stunned. yeah, I, I, you know, I guess I, I didn't pay enough attention to or think enough about of how the Kansas City offensive line, how shorthanded they were and how much of an impact that would have. Um, I, I was stunned. Well, do you, do you think that the offensive line was honestly the biggest culprit of what happened? Yeah, I don't think, like, they um, – they they just the, the the Bucks just demolished them up front on both sides of the ball, you know. And you know, this age where it's all about offense and spreads and all that stuff, it's still been the trenches is still where these games are won. And look, you can see it. Mahomes never had any time. Um, they just, I mean, the, the Tampa Bay ran the ball like crazy. I mean, that that was the game. You know, you can say anything else. Like it, it was as simple as Tampa Bay just destroyed them on the line on both sides, and that was that was it. I mean, I was. You know, I was stunned. I thought if the Chiefs hit a few big of those, a few, they had a few big plays possibilities early where if they would have hit one of those, I might have kind of changed the game a little bit. But I mean, it was domination, really. Yeah, I, for for what we, I actually had the Tampa Bay winning. Actually, I didn't think it was going to be an absolute butt whooping, but that it ended up turning out to be. I had them winning by a field goal myself. But what was the overall? What's the overall legacy now that is Tom Brady? Does he now go, get into that echelon debate with Michael Jordan of one of the greatest athletes in any sport? Or is he still – I know he's still up as the goat of the NFL, in my opinion. Where, where would you rank him now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt he's clearly in that category. I mean, the guy has now won Super Bowls with two teams. I mean, he's been in the Super Bowl ten times. At, I mean – it was, I don't think there's any question, you know, I look, I think Tampa Bay won the game, not because of Brady. I thought cause their defense was phenomenal because they just own the line of scrimmage, but look, the guy, the guy just wins. It's, it is really unbelievable. I, I was one of those people who I, I thought the Tampa would probably make the Super Bowl, make the playoffs of Brady. I, I did not think they would win a Super Bowl. You know, I did not think they would, you know, even sniff the Super Bowl. I, I thought they'd probably maybe, you know, get a wild card, win and maybe win a game most, maybe losing the first round. I mean, I, I was pretty stunned at how it worked out and the guy's magic. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you, you got to put him among the, the greats. I, I don't, I don't see how you can. Yeah. I think, I think the argument now becomes appearances and victories. Like with Jordan, he went six for six in his attempts. He only got there six times, but he won all six. Brady's right. now gotten there 10 and he's won seven. So now it becomes a little bit of a debate again. Then you have, Bill Russell, who has his 11, and there's so many other areas that you could argue with that. But uh, do you consider this as Brady's biggest accomplishment, greatest accomplishment this year, what he did with no offseason? Then he had to, he went through Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes to win a ring. I mean, you can also get credit goes due to the defense, but is this his greatest run that he's done at the quarterback position? I think it's up there, you know. I mean, look, they've they won some Super Bowls where they weren't expected to win with the Patriots, but I mean, yeah, I think it's definitely up there. You know, they um, there's there's no there's no doubt about. It. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it was until the Super Bowl, at least it was all on the road as well, which is which is pretty impressive, obviously in its own right. 
Um, I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Patriot fans will argue about a few of their Super Bowls were more impressive and maybe he put up better numbers in some of those postseasons. But, you know, I, I think it's a very, it's very fair. You, you could at least make the argument that this is among his greatest accomplishments. Yeah, I agree. And then what do you think needs to be done for Kansas City? Do you think they don't need to do anything and they'll be able to run it back in the AFC? Or do you think they need to make some changes? You know, I look, their offensive line was hurt. So, I mean, you, you have to clearly take that into account. If they were healthy, I, that's a, obviously such a different game. You know, their defense wasn't great. It, it it definitely could get better. They definitely need to maybe get a little better up front. But, look, I they have Mahomes. They have Kelsey. They have Hill. Uh, you know, Edwards Hilaire is going to be a very good running back there. They're going to be in the mix every year. There's no doubt. I'm sure there's some tweaks they have to make. But, I mean <coughs> – I would be I'd be shocked if this isn't a team that's you know in the AFC Championship game almost every year and and vying for the Super Bowl almost every year. Yeah, do you think the the money that between Hill, Kelsey, and Mahomes will come back to bite them though down the down the road? Yeah, look, there's 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 um, there's no doubt it could. I mean, it's not it's not easy to to fit all these pieces and look as we saw that talent. If, if you don't got the guys up front to, to give it time, it's not going to matter. You know, yeah. I mean, you could have the best quarterback in the NFL, the best tight end, one of the best receivers, you know, other weapons. If, if, if they're, if your guys up front aren't, aren't doing it, their job, it's not going to matter. You know, mm-hmm. um, as someone who, who covers a lot of, you know, watches and covers a lot of the New York football teams, you know, what I saw Mahomes go through was stuff you see the Jets and Giants quarterbacks deal with a lot, you know, where, they're, they don't have any time whatsoever. And it, it almost kind of, it plays with the quarterback's head where maybe there, there are times where maybe he, you know, he was rushing things because he was worried about the rush. You know, it, if you get look, if you can't, if you can't block up front, you got no chance. It's, it's that simple. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think they had three or four, they moved three or four linemen around for that game due to the Eric Fisher injury. Remmers went from the right to the left was Nukeski moved in it was just a lot of moving parts. The line, the lineup had only played together for like 15 snaps in that AFC championship game. I think it made everything a little bit difficult, but uh, I know, as you co- mentioned, you cover the New York sports teams. I want to get your take on this. Should either of them try and give as much as they can to go get Deshaun Watson or both of them? Yeah. I, especially the jets hundred percent, you know, they have so much draft cap- capital, you have a chance to get a top five quarterback. I mean, I like, I loved Watson in college. I covered him a lot. I thought it was absolute lunacy. The jets didn't want him out of college. I, I thought, I mean, and the fact that he fell as far as he did, I thought was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes these teams, they, they go too much on measurements and all this other stuff. Instead of watching the games, if you watch what he did to Alabama two years in a row and that, and that back then, those, those Alabama defenses were phenomenal. You know, they were full of pros and he decimated them. Like they were, you know, prayers you ain't up. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the Jets should have drafted him. I thought the Bears should have drafted him. I didn't get it. Um, if I'm the Jets, I go all out, especially with their draft capital. I think the Giants can be a little harder. They don't have a, a draft pick like the Jets have. They don't have the number two pick to, you know, as that as that carrot. Um, but the Texans do want some defensive players, so maybe the Giants make something work there. I. It doesn't sound like they're ready to move off of Daniel Jones. 
if I was them, I, I completely would. I would completely move move everything I could to to get him. I think he's that good. He's a class act. People love him. Um, you know, I get the argument. You know, you, you need to build 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 around the quarterback instead of just going and getting one. And you know, but especially with the amount of picks the Jets have, I if the Texans really want to trade him, I think the Jets have 100 have to be all in. Do you think he will be traded by the end of the uh, yeah next year? I do. I think, it, but I think it's something that you're going to see happen in like probably right before the draft. Okay. I think the, I think the Texans are going to call his bluff. Um, they have no need. <laughs> they have no reason to trade him now. They're going to see what they can get. Number one, number two, maybe that he'll he'll kind of back off and back down. But I do think before the draft he will get traded. All right. So let's switch some gears then to college basketball you cover Seton Hall St. John's as well as Rutgers what has been your overall uh, impression of all three teams and then what are your what are your chances for the three of them making the tournament um I mean I think Rutgers is more or less in um they have to completely fall apart I think right now they're around a seven seed maybe a six you know they've had a very good year they had a little mini slump there but they're a terrific defensive team. Steve Peichel is a very good coach. Um, I'm a big fan of Miles Johnson. They're 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 starting uh, center. I think Ron Harper Jr. is a very good player. They have depth. I think it's a team that could be tough in the tournament. You know, with the way they defend and you know if they if they're shooting the ball well enough, which is sometimes hit or miss with them, they could be very good. I think Seton Hall is somewhat safely in right now. They're probably a ten seed. You know, they've they've had a bit of a weird year. You know, they. They haven't picked up any huge wins, but they've been very steady. You know, they, they really haven't lost any games they, they shouldn't lose yet. Maybe they haven't won any games they shouldn't won, shouldn't have won either. You know, I think they're going to make the tournament. I, I like their team. They're not quite as good defensively as they usually are, but um, Sandro Mamou Kalashvili, their six foot 11 forward, is a terrific player. He does it a little bit of everything. Um, Jared Roden, Miles Kale. Um, Shavar Reynolds, it's, it's a typical kind of tough, gritty Seton Hall team that if the right droids could win a game or two. Um, then there's St. John's, which, you know, has gone from really a disappointing season to now, a, you know, a, a very intriguing season. You know, they before they lost to Butler yesterday, they had won six in a row and seven of eight. They're 500 in the Big East. I think they got a shot at the tournament if they could finish strong. They're still probably the outside looking in right now. But they have two terrific players from Brooklyn, uh, Pasha Alexander and Julian Champagny. They mm-hmm. they wild Villanova. They won at UConn. They won at Providence. Um, they got some big ones coming up. They got a, they have Xavier at home, Seton Hall at home, possibly UConn at home if he gets made up. Uh, Providence at home. They go to Villanova. If they could just play well here down the stretch, it'll be great. Just play well. I think they make the tournament, and you know, having all three teams in the tournament would be terrific. It would yeah. be it would be a lot of fun. And for the St. John's, how big of a blow was that loss last night? Blowing it, blowing it late, then losing it in overtime. No, look, I, 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 you know, I've there's been a lot of talk on Twitter among their fan base of what it does to their chances. I, I don't think it helps, but I don't think it really hurts that much. Right now, it's a quad two loss, which isn't terrible. You know, I, whether they won or lost this game, to me, they still needed two more quality wins. 
you know, maybe this loss is the difference between them being in the first four and just getting the regular tournament. Maybe, maybe that's what it does. I just, I don't think in the end it's what's going to keep them out of the tournament. Uh, they, they need to me, they, they could possibly still play at Villanova home, UConn home, Seton hall home Xavier. To me, they need to win two of those games. And I felt that way, whether they beat Butler last night or lost them, I, I really don't think it's in the end, it's going to make a huge amount of difference. Maybe it, you know, it, it just, you know, it, it lessens their margin for error, but you know, I just don't, I don't think it's going to be that big of a, I don't think it's, it's what's going to keep them out of the tournament. Okay. And then uh, moving over to Seton Hall, I know you mentioned the grittiness. I think them actually being a team that could actually shoot free throws down the stretch has been a interesting caveat, which is where they've struggled a lot of times in recent years. And then how big of an influence if Bryce Aiken can stay healthy, can the, can he elevate the squad, especially with his being a, one of the top scorers at Harvard than transferring out of Seton Hall. Yeah. I mean, Aiken hasn't played a lot, you know, he's had some injury issues, but he has shown in spurts. He could be very effective, especially for a team that really doesn't shoot the three. Well, he can be a terrific shooter. You know, I've said this before. If he has a nice, a big March, that's all anyone's going to care about. If he, you know, if they go on a little run with him in March and maybe get to a sweet 16, nobody's going to care that he couldn't play in December or January. You know, it's, it's all when you're seeing Hall and you're in the tournament every year, it's all, it's all, you know, all that matters is March. You know, if, if they can win a few games, even though maybe this regular season hasn't been great, that would be such a big thing for that program. When last year you really thought they had a chance to do major damage and obviously the virus kind of wiped everything away. So, you know, I, I do think when he's on and he's, and he's, you know, playing well, it, it kind of changes the, the changes their team because it just becomes harder to guard people. You, you can't double team Mamu Kalashvili. You know, you have to stay honest on their shooters. Um, he's to me is an X factor. I said, you know, I, in my, in our Seton Hall preview, I said he was their X factor. If he can be a very, if he can play, you know, efficiently and, and effectively, they have, they can beat anybody. You know, they were up 15 on Creighton with him playing well until they really, you know, fell apart and blew that game. Mm -hmm. But the way they played the first 30 minutes of that game really just showed you what they can do when he is producing. Yeah, absolutely. And um, before I let you go, Zach, I just want to get your overall impression with the Big East. Uh, now, they announced uh, earlier that they're going to potentially have fans potentially at the Garden. What was your overall assessment of that? And what do you think it is for the conference? Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. You know, I, these kids deserve it. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I'd really like to see it. I mean, it's, it sounds pretty likely talking to some people around the league that there will be around 2000 fans for the big East tournament. It's not official or done or anything, but yeah. considering what's the gardens going to do, be doing with Knicks and Rangers games. Um, it seems likely. And you know, that would definitely, I think, you know, at least, you know, improve the the atmosphere and i think would would be nice to see after we've watched all these games without fans yeah absolutely well zach i greatly appreciate you taking some time out of your evening today to come on final whistle and uh talk sports for with me for a little bit it's much appreciated yeah no no problem my pleasure all right everyone enjoy the rest of your week
Uh, there will be another final whistle episode coming out tomorrow. I will be interviewing the host of the Minnesota Wild, Kirsten Kroll. Look out for that tomorrow. Enjoy your evening, everyone. Thanks for listening.